I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Good afternoon, this is Jeff Dawson from a partly cloudy, but, and I'm not going to say brutally hot, because that seems to be what every moron on the radio wants to talk about. It's just hot. It's August, it's 100 degrees, it's hot. So what? But when I was driving around town this morning, I forgot what channel I was on, and the MC made some ridiculous comment how it's unusually hot. No, it's not. Obviously, these people didn't work outdoors. And if they did, they forgot what it's like outdoors in August. I mean, growing up in Oklahoma and working out on construction sites this is the weather we wanted you know why because it made the sound of gold no rain means concrete goes down concrete goes down paychecks get big and we didn't whimper and whine about it we didn't complain it's like this is the time to make hay and we are going to make as much of it as we can. It's just like farmers. This is cutting season across the Midwest. And the last thing they want is any rain. You know why? Because they get charged a drying fee. That's right. When you cut your crops, I don't care what it is, you know, wheat, milo, barley, it goes into a silo. Well, those silos have a fee for drying your product that comes to market. And if it's too wet, you're going to pay a whole lot of money. So the last thing they want is rain. And I was really surprised because I did get this education when I was married because that's what my father-in-law did he was a rancher and a farmer and i you know i'd always heard when you get up at the crack of dawn you get it done well i was up at the crack of dawn and we had breakfast i'm looking around going what are we doing sherman goes what is your problem i said are we supposed to be doing something he goes we will but uh we gotta wait for the dew to burn off and it's like the dew and he goes yep Got to let the dew burn off so I don't get charged a drying fee. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And that's what we did. Well, I don't think we got out into the fields till like maybe 10, 30, 11. But hey, we worked all day. Now that we did do, once we started cutting, we didn't stop. And it was, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And 
I was just there to help and drive the trucks. He wouldn't let me on the combines, which, hey, that's okay because their fields are terraced. And if you don't understand the lay of the land, then you'll take that head cutter and just start digging up dirt and foul up the whole works. Then the, uh, you could damage the cutting head, which that would be bad. But it was a lot of fun. So, hey, this is the time that those of us in construction make our money. We can't make it when it's raining. We can't make it when it's cold. We make it when it's summer and toasty. That's what we live for. So I'm just, when people start talking about unseasonably warm, it's ridiculously hot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, as we get older, we don't deal with it as well as when we were young. Well, that's partly our fault because we aren't as active as we used to be and we've become sedentary for various reasons. Well, I don't know how many posts I've read on Facebook lately. And I'll be honest, these are people my age that if you looked at their photo, it's like, good Lord, push yourself away from the table. It's like, how did you get that out of shape? Oh, that's right. Because you sit on your ass all the time. And that's why I post I used to do it every day, but I, so I only try and I do it about twice a week now. My goal each day is I take my Herbalife shake. Then I walk two miles. And then I get in the pool for about 30 to 45 minutes. One, because I was tired of looking like Moby Dick. One of my black friends lee stewart who was a guest on here about a year ago when we had a cookout he referred to me as powder because i was wearing shorts and he was right my legs looked like pieces of chalk and this year i said all right that's enough we're going to get out of that and yeah i'm feeling a lot better because I don't want to be the one that is sitting at their desk all the time, ballooning up, and then start moaning and bitching about your, my health. And I don't want to go outside and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not how I want to be. Because I think about my dad. and Yeah, as he got older, especially after a stroke. He didn't do well in the heat. He really didn't do well in the cold. But uh, up until that, when he was, up until he was 78, that's when he had a stroke. That man was active. I mean, he was active. I can't think that he ever slowed down. And it took a stroke to do it. He would still drive down to Dallas. Mom and dad lived in Tulsa. They'd drive down here, they'd come see the kids or pick the kids up or I'd meet them. But when the kids got to Tulsa, they didn't sit around and they'll tell you, they got to Tulsa, they were going to the ball game. Didn't matter what ball game. 
whether it was the professional baseball team up there, the drillers, I think they're still called the drillers, or high school sports, it didn't matter. They were going to go do something. Going to the library, dad just had them on the go. So they actually, even in their early teens, looked forward to going to Tulsa because they're not just going to sit around and play video games, which, you know, with all of these channels we have today, it's ridiculous because how many people do you see, oh, I was binge watching this or I was binge watching that. Well, once you get off your goat smelling ass and go do something instead of binge watching. Because a lot of those people are the ones complaining, oh, I just can't go outside. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't shut the hell up. You've done it to yourself. That's all there is to it. And what's sad is how many people will join in with them, and then you look at their profile pics and coke. Yeah, that makes sense, too. They're on the same boat, and it's the Titanic, and they're sinking rapidly, and I'm sorry, but I'm not going to buy a ticket on that ship. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but you smoke. Well, not as much as I used to. I'm still taking these essential oils that I got from Dr. Makisha O'Connor from Magnolia Chiropractic in downtown Irving. And let's see, I take cilantro, black pepper. Oh, that's just nasty. Clove and copaiba. And it looks like See how far I am with all of these. Oh, about halfway. And it's probably cut my intake down 30 to 40%. But I slipped last night. Because with me and smoking, talking has always been the problem. I could probably go all day if I didn't have to talk. And not smoke, but on construction sites, I don't know. It was just something I did. I started talking to people, and it was just one after the other after the other. And I, I noticed this. It's like, we got to break that. So, with their help, these seem to be working. Do they taste bad? Yes. They're wretched. But I'd rather have something that tastes bad and is going to be good for my health down the road than something that tastes good and isn't going to help me. So enough of that. But as far as the heat goes, y'all just shut the hell up. Cause I get to hear enough of that from those idiot announcers of the Rangers. And yeah, there's two of them. Raymond and Nitkowski. Raymond is just possessed to give us a forecast at the beginning of every game. It's like, why don't you just worry about the game? He even whined when they were in Seattle. I mean, it it got to 90 degrees in Seattle, and he was whining about that and then trying to tell all those people how to hydrate. Oh, shut the hell up. I'm just calling the game. 
Just bitch and moan. Yeah, we know what the temperature is inside the stadium. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That the Rangers are helping the power grid by raising it three degrees. You want to help the power grid? Open up the dome. Because it is not necessary. And it sure the hell isn't mandatory that these guys that are overpaid play in these pristine conditions. They have played ball outside since they were in elementary. They did it all through high school, through college, and through the minors. These domes are not a necessity, and keeping them cold is definitely not a necessity. I went to plenty of games in the old stadium, and no, I have not been to one in the new one, because <clears throat> baseball is meant to be played outside, and I think it's really funny how the architects screwed up, shocking, just like they did at AT&T Stadium. What idiot puts a big glass window on the west end of the stadium so if you have an afternoon game, the sun is blinding you? I think that was so great on Jerry Jones' part. That was only $1.2 billion. Well, the Rangers have the same problem, not as glaringly bad, but they got the same issue on these 7 o'clock games. As the sun starts setting, It's in the eyes of the first baseman and the right fielder. And coming through glass just magnifies it. You know, the A's, I don't even want to get into all of that because it pissed me off. But uh, the game was made to be played outdoors. And I'm sick of the, I mean, these guys are just I'll get into that later, but Raymond and Nitwit, they're just pussyfied. That's all there is to it. All right. It was Friday night at Dunstan's. And it was great to see Jerry and Patty return. Now, she is not jumping up and down. So I had to be nice to her. I don't know why, but... uh, I was nice to her because she is still recovering from COVID. And her description of it was like, it was the sore throat from hell. It felt like I had razor blades in my throat. That's pretty damn nasty. I've had sore throats before, but nothing that she described. So she is slowly regaining her energy. and. Uh, Her hubby got to be her nurse. And he did a really fine job with her. We also met a new individual, Duncan Welch. He joined us last night, bought three of my books. And Duncan, if you're listening, I did uh, hit you up on Facebook. I was out of the gateway book, so I've reordered 
and Amazon said like five days. So I should have your signed autograph book come this Friday. And I do appreciate the purchase. And it was interesting how many people at Dunstan's in these last couple of weeks had come down with uh, COVID or had a brief encounter with it, I believe. Uh, Tabitha, our waitress, had it. And uh, Brooklyn, the hostess, <clears throat> she got a bout of it. But, you know, you watch the, it's really interesting how this affects different people. Now, granted, Patty's a little older than these two gals, but uh, it just affects everyone different. I think I had a small bout of it, but I cleared up in a couple of days, so I didn't go get tested, but we're still registering 780,000 cases a week. How come that's not plastered over the news headlines like it was when Trump was president? Remember that? You wake up every morning, that's all you'd see. They have their graphic of what the virus looked like. And uh, they it was just splashed across your TV in big, bold letters like you didn't know what the hell was going on. Isn't it interesting to find out who all the people who supposedly knew what was going on didn't know a damn thing and admitted to it? Did you see that with Burks? You remember her? And, you know, yeah, this was my liberal associates. All they would comment on is, oh, I just love her scarves. Oh, isn't she so pretty? I don't give two shits what she's wearing. Is she giving us the facts? And we come to find out she wasn't. If you saw her little clip about she knew the vaccines wouldn't work, then why were you standing up there spouting all this with that dumbass Fauci? And I know one of my associates actually bought a shirt in Fauci, in Fauci we trust. Yeah, how's that working out for you now? You still wearing that shirt proudly after being conned, you dumbass? I'm not going to use his name. He knows who he is. All right, how do you feel now? Why, why, why are all your liberal associates and friends so quiet on Facebook? Because they have nothing to add. They would have to admit they were wrong. You think that's going to happen? I mean, I've got conservative friends that... <coughs> Getting them to admit they're wrong is pulling teeth, but a liberal's even worth. It's like trying to take their, your dentures out. And they'll just deflect onto something else instead of the issues that you're talking about. Okay, now, 
on Duncan Welch. He is the CEO of Multi Farm Construction in Irving, Texas. And what they make are they make props for movies, but they also do interior designs. He talked about they have uh, <coughs> a contract with a dental company that caters to children. So everything inside of there to keep the kids calm and happy, they come in and do the remodeling and supply all of the beds and everything else. So the kids are happy. And he showed us some pictures of uh, some of his work and it was pretty cool. So if you need something like that, he's multi-talented and the company is, again, is multi-form construction in Irving and that's Duncan Welch. And I mentioned the other week, uh, two weeks ago that Alexander's is closed, which I ran into him the other day and it was a cordial meeting because I've been there. They showed up to start emptying out the restaurant and there is nothing fun about that. I remember when I worked at Micah, they, the owner, L.C. Tubb, he, he has a lot of real estate. He had this office building close to their Micah's corporate office. And I needed some furniture for my little trailer out in Dallas. And I said, well, let's go over there and see what they left. And the thing that disturbed me the most was these girls were kind of laughing <coughs> and carrying on. And I'm like, this was a huge office. They must have had 100 employees at least. And I'm just thinking to myself how sad it was because you could tell, man, it was a fire sale. They had, they were told to get out and they took everything that they could, but they couldn't get it all. So they left a lot and that was probably from not paying rent, but I just looked at them and said, you know, I don't see anything funny about this. I understand they're going through hard times, but look at all these people that are unemployed now. And you all think this is funny. You've obviously not been through something like this. I have. So let me just pick out what I need and let's leave because this is just sad. And it was, it, it was very disheartening. And I also need to talk about green star heating and air. They are looking for experienced field tech and installers and entry level installers. Now they're out of Greenville. Their phone number is 903-441-2082. And their email is greenstarheatingandair, A-N-D, at gmail.com. Jason Boyles is the man that runs it. His wife, Brandy, is helping him right now. But they're good people. 
Yeah, it's outdoor work. And if you're in the HVAC business, you understand it's outdoor work. They're paying a fair wage. I don't know what their scale is. You'd have to call and get that, but they are looking for help. <clears throat> so if you like doing that, well, give them a shout. Now, if you want to be part of this show, the phone number is 888 627 6008 or 323 You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. That number is 631 359 9353. And we're always looking for new subscribers. And the rates are from $299 to $49.99. The only difference is how much you value the content of what I discuss. If you think it's worth almost 50 bucks a month, all right, I'm in there. You think it's only worth $3 a month, I'm in there. And the best marketing is word of mouth by you listeners. I can do all the posting on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or my blog. But it's just like the books that I write. I can market the hell out of them. But they don't take off until readers start talking about them and telling their friends. It was just like Tom Clancy's book, The Hunt for Red October. I'd never heard of Tom Clancy. And I just happened to see the paperback in the grocery store. You know, what the hell is this? And I think it was like three ninety nine. And I read that book in three or four days. Pissed off my wife something fierce. Oh, well, she got over it. And everybody that I came across that I knew that enjoyed World War II history or the Cold War, Cold War era spy novels is like, y'all got to read this. <clears throat> and that's how Clancy became one of the greatest writers of our time in his genre. Word of mouth. And that's what pushes the train uphill. Okay. Book review. I haven't done one in about two months. And I got to thinking, what would be a good book to review? And I went through my catalog and I came up with this one and I'll tell you the title after I'm done I was given a copy shortly after my long lost love passed now this was I was given this book after Debbie passed it was a difficult time to say the least I waited 30 years to see Debbie again and seven months later her cancer returned with a vengeance I could find no solace from friends family or the bible I was a mess I sat down and read this work of fiction let me tell you something. This is a brilliant work. I can't put a finger on why it's such an emotional work. All I know is it allowed a lot of pent-up feelings to pour forth in a shower of tears. I was especially touched with the reference of a father losing his daughter. Man, did that hit home. 
I'm convinced the force drove me through the reed. It also allowed me to understand why life had taken the turns it did. Some good, some bad, but in the end, very enlightening. This book and the feelings it unleashed allowed me to put paper to work. Why did everything happen and love's true second chance? I doubt I could have done them without a divine force guiding me. I recommend this book to anyone who has suffered terrible tragedy in their lives and is searching for answers. Combined with the Bible, Torah, or your own spiritual beliefs, I believe everyone can find comfort in the words. Five stars. So what was the book? And I remember the person who gave it to me several times made the comment, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready. And it's like, well, I don't know when I'll be ready then. She finally gave it to me. And I read it in one day. And then I reread it. And reread it. And reread the chapters that really hit home. And the book is The Shack. It was very moving. Yes, it's a work of fiction. And when my review was up before Amazon took all of my 900 plus reviews down, those bastards, uh, it, it was amazing the theological debates that popped up across the boards. And it's like, it's a work of fiction. Got it? Fiction. No, they took this as a bastardization of the Christian faith. And it's like, what are you all smoking? Well, best I could tell is most of these are just far right Christian fanatics that it's my way or the highway. There is no in between. And we see a lot of that today, don't we? Hang on a second. Where nobody, everybody's got cotton in their ears. And as one of my bosses said, because I pissed off the Ombo office with the city of Dallas, and he said, Jeff, it's time you took the cotton out of yours and put it in your mouth. I don't need any more problems with the city of Dallas. And I had to think about what he said for a a few months was going, oh. So you think I have a hearing impediment? He said, no, I think you got a dumbass impediment right now. Don't piss those people off because they don't like me. Well, that wasn't the only person that didn't like him. <clears throat> but that's okay. So if you haven't read The Shack, I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Really did. Okay. I'm going to try something here. And I haven't done any poetry in a while. 
So I was thinking, what poetry book? Not poetry book, but uh, what poem should I read? And I pondered it, and I pondered it. And it's like, I'm going to go back to one that I wrote about two years ago. So we can remember when. And I really, I thought about this one for a while. And it took two, about two months to come up with. Okay, I just wanted to see if there were any comments, and there aren't, so that's okay. Now, this was during 2020, and all those, quote, peaceful protests, and all those liberals that said that 93% were peaceful, but glossed over the 7% that did over $2 billion in damage and cost count, you know, scores of lives. Hang on just a second. Got to respond to my son. Oh, say can you say? <clears throat> oh, it's 22. Okay. Oh, say can you see? Francis Scott Key had no idea how prophetic those words were when he penned them as the British shelled Fort McHenry. Oh, and what she has seen. As an infant finding my way, I tripped, stumbled, and fell a few times, but got back up. I was vilified and heckled by the crown who swore to bring me down. Betsy would have none of it and gave me life. She gave me a foundation unlike any other nation. She meticulously sewed 13 strips of cloth and 13 stars on a vivid backdrop of blue. She chose the colors carefully. Red, hardiness and valor, white, purity and innocence, and blue for vigilance, perseverance, and justice. George and his men held me high, even when the odds were stacked against him. I bled at Lexington and Bunker Hill. I froze at Valley Forge to raise flagging spirits. I proudly crossed the Delaware River. Many said I drowned. I didn't. I stood tall at Yorktown as a victor. Even though we claimed victory, my countrymen became petulant and obnoxious. They denounced the president and claimed he was a king. I wept as they squabbled to find their way. I smiled as peace was on the horizon, but storms were gathering on other frontiers. France and Spain still wanted their fair share. France needed money, Spain, territory, and Texas. I was tested again in 1812 when the Union Jack wanted one more crack. I cried as the White House burned to the ground, but didn't bow. 
my countrymen united and once again repelled the invaders. Oh, say, can you see? Once again, I took a breath and added more stars. My country was growing and stabilizing, but it wouldn't last. My southerners hung on to chattel slavery. The tribal Indians stood in the way of expansion. Spain was running out of steam in its grip on Mexico and the Southwest. I knew nothing good would come of it. I can only watch and wait. Once again, my colors came under fire on April 12, 1861 from the stars and bars. I tried to talk reason to my brethren to no avail. I shed a thousand tears as 600,000 paid the ultimate price for freedom, liberty, and justice. When the smoke cleared, all I could see was a scarred landscape and decimated populace. My colors were soaked with the blood of my brothers and sisters. I worried the country was open for invasion from foreign powers. Would we be able to mend the ills and wrongs of the past? Oh, say, can you see? Like any proud mother, I loved and cherished my children, yet doesn't mean I approved of all their decisions. The eviction and moving of the indigenous people saddened me. They were here long before we came to the new world. I believed they could have lived in harmony. I was wrong. I stood strong as my country grew and more stars adorned my fields. I watched with great interest as the country grew and expanded westward, filling me with pride. I was amazed at the industrial might the country was turning into. A once agrarian land was becoming a beacon of industrial revolution. I did not approve of children being forced to work, but hoped they would identify the errors of their ways and correct it in time. <coughs> I was called again to a land I never dreamed of helping. I didn't worry about past differences. I answered the call to make sure my distant countrymen and their allies prevailed. I bled more at Argonne, Bellawood, and Flanders. My children fought bravely and valiantly protecting those who needed the help. I shed more tears while my colors were held high and true. Perhaps now I can rest and enjoy the fruits of my labor. Oh, say, can you see? Prosperity exploded. My country grew. I swelled with pride. Instead of getting a breather, my country collapsed overnight. It was a war no one saw coming. I threw my countrymen into turmoil, despair, and poverty. Instead of bullets and bombs claiming lives, claiming lives, it was bad finances, drought, and dust that brought them down. I watched as fortunes vanished, suicides increased, families were displaced, and pestilence filled the land. I questioned if they were strong enough to withstand the onslaught of an unknown future. I swung in the wind limply, looking for direction. My answer came with a catastrophic event many knew was coming, but few were prepared. I frantically waved a warning as a swarm of planes displaying the rising sun descended on Pearl Harbor. While my warning was too late, the response was phenomenal. The surprise attack awakened a passion and determination I thought was long lost. They became angry, united, and filled with an uncontrollable vengeance. United, we learned the names of Coral Sea. Midway, Casserine Pass, Palermo, Messina, Normandy, Bastogne, Arnhem, Peleliu, Tarawa, Iwo Jima, and Okinawa. I was filled with holes, disappeared beneath the waves, drowned in wells, fell from the heavens and trampled by treads, but I did not yield. I stood tall in the face of tyranny and crushed the oppressors bent on world domination. The victory was short-lived. 
I would learn new names, Husan, Sol, Wusan, Inchon, and Chosun. Again, my people died for those who couldn't defend themselves. I took a breather, hoping this would be the last one. I hoped the country would get a reprieve and heal. It did not happen. A new threat emerged from a hammer and sickle. I braced for the worst. The thought of nuclear annihilation was a real threat. I feared my children would become irrational. They didn't. I took a deep sigh of relief as cooler, wiser heads prevailed, and we all didn't vaporize into a cloud of dust. Oh, say, can you see? In 10 years, I would once again find myself in a strange country and customs I didn't understand. I couldn't say no when the call came and my children answered the call. I questioned the reasons and the plan. I could only help my children to make wise decisions and not soak me in blood again. I was wrong as tens of thousands of my most cherished ones, the young, died on fields and jungles even I didn't know. Tonkin Bay, I drank, Saigon, Quezon, Huey, and Hanoi. This was different. In the past, I watched my children band together and make a stand for righteousness. Yet, while they bled in the jungles, those back home rose up against me demanding change. They burned me, cursed me, ripped me, threw away medals, and denounced all I stood for. How could this happen? <coughs> what had I done to deserve such animosity? There was also the unrest for forgotten people. They helped build the country with the sweat of their brows. They were sold and traded like livestock. I knew the day would come when they would gain a voice and he can't and be counted. That day had come. I knew not which way to look. Never had I seen my country involved in three conflicts at the same time. What could I do? Pray that wiser heads would prevail and heal a fractured country again. I cried and my children returned home from a war too many had turned against. Instead of welcoming them with flowing colors, they were spit on and condemned for protecting me. It was one of my darkest days. The rift was giant and only inflamed when corruption poured forth from the government. How could they be so stupid? I could only watch and weep in disbelief and ask, where did I go wrong? It would be decades before I flew proudly again. The call for help came from the Middle East, another place I was familiar with only in name. My children, children rallied to the cause and defeated the foe in record time. My banner flew high and filled the country with pride and worth. Again, it wouldn't last. In 10 years, I would realize the horrors of war I hadn't seen in 60 years. Again, the enemy came from the skies using our own planes in an effort to bring us to our knees. The result was just the opposite. As in 1941, my children were filled with a terrible resolve and took the fight where the enemy lived. I hailed the initial results. They are my children at their best. And then it changed as leaders muddied, muddled and squabbled over issues of non-consequence. Were they going to repeat the same mistakes only a short 45 years ago? I could not bear watching my youth perish in a forgotten war again. It would be too much. Somehow the lessons of the past were learned and my children stayed united and welcomed home their heroes and loved ones. I prayed my children would finally come together again and work for the greater good. I was wrong. May 25th, 2020 would rock my country more dramatically than 7-4-17-76, 6-18-18-12, 12-7-1941, and 9-11-2001. 
<coughs> at first I saw a just cause and demanded those involved be prosecuted. It was a righteous cause. In the blink of an eye, it all changed. This wasn't the protest for civil rights or the removal of troops from a foreign country. This was war on my own soil and not a shot had been fired. I watched in horror as my cities were ransacked and burned. Hundreds were injured. Scores were killed. Local governments were not immune. The violence came to them at their homes. Law and order collapsed or were ordered to stand down. It was the one time I wished I could take a human form and ask, what in the hell are you all doing? We have fought 10 major wars and countless small ones. We have vanquished tyranny when major when it raised its ugly head. We have overcome civil strife, a pandemic, and a depression. We have learned how to compromise and move forward. It hasn't always been easy, but we continue to persevere through it all. Together, we've stumbled, fallen, been knocked down, attacked, slandered, hated, ridiculed, but still we found a way to stand as one. Today, in my short 244 years, I find myself questioning the ability and temerity of our ability to heal. Never has the divide been so great. Never had so much anger been thrust upon my streets with unequivocal violence and rage until today. I never questioned our ability to unite and come together. Never did I lose hope in our goal and mission as a beacon of truth and hope for those to admire until today. It is up to you and only you to address the issues at hand and like your forefathers who are faced with similar problems, it is time to end the divis- divisiveness that is plaguing my landscape from sea to shining sea. The chance of we're right and you're wrong are fruitless at best. It is difficult to hear when everyone is yelling and no one is listening. It's time to stop being children and become adults. I've been patient and understanding in my short existence. My colors are soaked with the blood of over 100 of 1.3 million lives. I've wept for the 1.4 million who returned, burned, broken, and battered. Tell me, tell me honestly, it wasn't all in vain. Tell me that the windows, that the widows, widowers, widower spouses cried for nothing. Tell me that the fatherless and motherless children who stare at that flag that covered their casket wasn't for a worthy cause. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me there is hope. Tell me you will work this out without tearing each other apart. Please tell me all the sacrifices weren't in vain. Please tell me. Oh, say, can you see? I really like that. And I had a buddy that was going to set it to music, but I guess he just hasn't had a chance to do it. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay. I hope you all enjoyed that. Irritating commercials. Well, they're all irritating, so I'm really not going to focus on those. There is an intelligent one out there. So it always leaves me thinking who the hell is coming up and approving these ad campaigns. They just think the American people are stupid. They must because they keep doing them. And Liberty mutual is first and foremost of the list of the most dumbass commercials you could possibly come up with. 
Good Lord. All right, let's see. Do I want to talk about Paul Pelosi? No, because I don't give a shit. We know he's a powerful man in California with his craggy old wife. So, they're, you know, Napa County is going to do what they want to, and I really don't care. We just know there's a double standard when it comes to politicians, blah, blah, blah. And touch on Roe versus Wade real quick. Yeah, the Supreme Court overturned it. Well, now, the way the drafters of the Constitution, it's actually coming true. They wanted the states to have the power, not the federal government. So now it's up to the states. But your liberal associates will bitch and moan just because they can bitch and moan. And if you don't like it, leave the state. And they'll say, well, what if you can't leave the state? Well, then keep your legs closed. Buy a condom. Be responsible. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, that's the last thing a liberal wants to do is be responsible. They want all of these freedoms, and all these rights, but they don't want to be responsible. And uh, apparently they don't have a problem in killing their kids. So then why were they all upset with the kids that got killed at Uvalde? These were just late-term abortions. I know that's a bad analogy, but that's how I look at it. It's okay to kill your unborn child. It's okay to kill your child two days after he's born because it's your right. And anyone who supports that, I do not want to be associated with. Now, let's talk about recession. If you have watched the news, which I do my damnedest not to, but I have to watch just snippets of it to see what the bobbleheads are talking about. Recession. What is the definition of recession? A period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two two successive quarters. That's it. That's the definition. But apparently Webster's Dictionary doesn't apply to the White House and that stupid black bitch spokeswoman they've got. She's just as dumb as a brick. I'm sorry. I don't like her at all because she's just another blah, 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 blah. Look at me. I'm black. I'm gay. I'm blah, blah, blah. Don't give two shits. And doesn't answer hard questions, just ignores them, just glosses over, just like Jen Psaki did. And who are all these, you know, for at least a year and a half, Joe has been talking about all these economists and how seven are uh, Nobel laureates and blah, blah, blah. Has he ever mentioned names? No. So he just... Like Obama said about Trump, well, I guess he's just going to wave a wand and make the economy better. One hell of a wand Donald had, it worked. So who are all the people Joe's talking about? We don't know. You don't need to know. You just need to sit there like sheep and believe the crap that comes out of his mouth that it's true and it's not. 
he is sending this country into a nosedive. And anyone, you know, I'm surprised that 30% still support him, but sadly, I know a majority of that 30%. You don't see any liberal knocking him. At least I don't. How can they be happy with what the hell's going on? Because they don't want to admit they made a mistake. That's it. I mean, we discussed this at dinner last night. If I could have voted in 1976, I'd have voted for Jimmy Carter because we were tired of Watergate. <coughs> Ford got dealt a bad hand, having to clean up behind Richard. And we wanted a change. And we got a change. We got Jimmy Cotta. But in 1980, we'd had enough of Jimmy Cotta. And even the Democrats admitted they'd had enough of Jimmy Cotta. And Reagan swept the nation. It was a landslide victory in 80. And 84 was even bigger. The whole country was red. But one state in 84... So those who don't think we can turn and right this ship need to go back and look at the elections and how the country moves around. When Americans have had enough, they stand up and say, that's enough. Period. We're not doing this shit anymore. And that's exactly where we're headed right now. It's just like, then you know, we can't be the policemen of the world. And Trump showed us that. Our Navy, our task forces weren't running around the globe, putting out hot spots when he was the president. Which was good because when he said, hey, you're going to pay your fair share, all of a sudden, oh, I guess we better rethink that. We know Biden's weak. And... Shortly after he was elected, I talked about Taiwan. There's nothing we can do. We can't, if China wants Taiwan, they're going to take it. However, in a discussion with my youngest son this morning, he asked me what I thought about it, and I really started thinking. China's not known for amphibious operations. I mean, it's like the British, they found out in World War I at uh, Gallipi in Turkey that an amphibious operation, there's a whole lot of planning, and they did everything backwards, and it was a massacre. History shows if you don't know what you're doing and how you're going to do this, it's not going to turn out well. So China has that going against them. If they ever conducted amphibious operations of this scale, they'd have to land like 50,000 troops. The only thing Taiwan could really do is just ring the island or the areas that they feel are conducive to those type of operations with mines. We know they don't have an air force. But it is funny how when Trump was in office, everybody pretty well settled down. 
but with Biden, he's weak. He's very weak. He just gets weaker. He's old. It's time to go. No, he's got to get through this term. <clears throat> so we can vote his goat smelling ass out. Along with Camel, not Kamal, Camel Harris. Because I think in her quarters, she was probably known more for her camel toe than uh, her intelligence. But it's just, it's, it's just, the whole thing is ludicrous. So if China wants Taiwan, they've wanted it since 1949. They're going to take it and we can't stop them. Now, we can come up with a larger naval presence around Japan. But we're not going to stop an invasion. And I've watched just enough of Fox and seen other posts about getting involved in foreign wars. We're not going to get involved in this. We're not going to get involved in Ukraine unless Biden just absolutely lets his dementia take over. Because we have no business in Ukraine. We have no business in Taiwan. Now, we can have a presence in Japan. That's it. In the Philippines. And Okinawa, maybe. But, you know, those people, they're ready, especially in Okinawa, they're ready for our troops to leave. They did Japanese did not like our base at Okinawa. And I've talked to a lot of people that were stationed there and they were not well received. It's like they blamed us for World War II and nuking Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, you kind of brought it on yourself. Didn't matter. Because the Japanese, being an Asian culture, they still have to save face. And saving face means lying. You're going to lie through your teeth. Just like, I mean, for decades, China has been waiting for an apology from Japan for the Nanking Massacre. Japan's not going to admit they did that. Uh -huh. And if they do, it's going to be in very hushed tones. There won't be a huge declaration. Those people don't like each other. If you didn't know that, they don't. They never have. They don't. Japan definitely doesn't like Korea. They like South Korea to a degree, but they have a long. They have a longer history than the United States on hating each other <coughs> and attacking each other. It's just the way it is. It's it's horrible. Oh, and before I get into baseball, oh, Biden wants everyone to shake his hand and slap his back and say, job well done, because they took out Aman al-Zawahari. Zawahi. But when Trump took out Soleimani and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, well, he thought that was the worst thing in the world. And he said it publicly. 
how bad it was that Trump killed these top terrorists. Well, now he wants praise for killing one. Well, which is it, Joe? It's one or the other. It's not both. Oh, that's right. It's the democratic hypocrisy that we see on a daily basis. If I do it, it's okay. If you do it, it's bad. What a bunch of bullshit. Okay. Baseball. I know I usually do this earlier, but uh, I got involved in all this. Do I want to get into this economic stuff? Oh, no, I already did. Okay, the Texas Rangers. I'm not going to talk about the Detroit Tigers because their season was over two months ago. And the more I watch them fall in the standings, the sadder I get. But with the Rangers, oh, good Lord. They're still, what, 11 games under 500. They got swept by the Orioles. All six games, they didn't win a one against the O's. The O's are six games over 500. They are, last I checked, one and a half games out of a wild card contention. I mean, that American League East is strong. Every one of those teams is over 500. And barring a nuclear detonation, the Yankees aren't going to be caught. They have an 11 and a half game lead. The Orioles' payroll is, I mentioned this about a month or so ago, like $58 million, and the Rangers is 138 depending on which side you go to. Both teams are rebuilding. The Rangers have been, re, been rebuilding for like since the 2011 World Series. But you watch the Orioles and you see a team that's doing something, moving in the right direction. I watched the Rangers, who signed three players, three veteran players. I don't consider that rebuilding. These are veterans. These aren't rookies. And they play like crap. But the only thing the broadcasters focus on is run differential and hits and OPS and slugging percentage. <clears throat> In fact, when I was coming home from dinner last night, I had the channel on and I didn't get the host's name, but he's with, I, I don't know what channel. It's, it's, it's 105.3, the fan. And, uh, they're, none of them are talking about the problem. They're all making excuses, and that's all they are is excuses. They want to talk about, well, they're not getting timely hits and blah, blah, blah. Well, the pitchers aren't doing that well, blah, blah, blah. But none of them are talking about the defense, which sucks. Up the middle, it's horrible, and behind the plate, it's even worse. I'm going to do a search. And research who's leading the major leagues in errors. And if it's not the Rangers at the top of the list, I'm going to be stunned. I've seen more brain farts in the outfield than I care to count 
when I coached, the best way to get a double play is to keep the runner at first. Well, all the Ranger outfielders think that they can throw out a runner from second or third at the plate. And you might do it one out of two out of 10 times, maybe. But then you let the, the tail batter hitter, batter runner, he winds up on second, you take out the force. And they're doing this night after night after night. That's bad coaching. That's all there is to it. I always taught my kids. And when I was a player, I was taught. Throw in front of the runner. Do not throw behind the runner. Well, when you throw the ball to home, you're throwing behind the runner. So he can advance. You throw in front so he can't advance. That is basic baseball defense 101. It's just that simple. <clears throat> but these guys are such homers, it's absolutely pathetic. I mean pathetic. Well, they built the team like they did in the 90s that can hit, okay? But as Brad Pitt says in the movie Moneyball about Hatterberg, his defense doesn't matter. Well, from what I'm seeing, the Rangers' defense does not matter because up the middle is horrible. This combination of Simeon and Seager sucks. Yes, the Rangers are stealing a lot of bases, but they're also making some real bonehead plays running bases, things that I didn't see in the Little League. There is no reason this team should be where they are and the media should stop covering and making excuses. My God, do they work for the White House? Is that what's going on here? that they're vying for the press secretary of the president of the United States. Cause that's all they're doing is making excuses. God, I love baseball and I love watching good baseball, but this is not good baseball. You sign gray for five Seager for 32 and a half and Simeon for 25. And we are definitely not getting a bang for the buck. We are getting mediocrity, and the media is just covering for it, and they're happy with it. How can you be happy? I can't. I see the problem, and I'm not going to make excuses for them. I can't make excuses for the Tigers. I could, but what's the point? I mean, we see that from our elected leaders all the time. What I say today is irrelevant tomorrow because I can change my mind. I can change the narrative. No, you can't, at least not with people who have their eyes open and are watching what's going on and actually listening to what you're saying. And, you know, they're all excited over this kid they signed from Vanderbilt Rocker. Well, the Mets didn't sign him because he has a shoulder issue. Now, all the reports are that he passed the physical. I don't know what a signing bonus was, 
but am I really going to drop a first-round draft pick on someone who has a shoulder issue? No, I'm not. That's why the Mets said no. They knew this kid was going to be expensive. But they also know he's already got a medical issue. It's just like, damn, I forgot the kid's name. <clears throat> oh, Reagan's who pitched the other night. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. Now, you know, those just happened. But he got them when he was as as a ranger. He's in the organization, and it happened. The first one didn't take, kind of like my retinal surgery. The first one didn't take, so we got to do it again. So the Rangers had him under contract. Rocker wasn't under contract when he had a shoulder issue. And all we can do is watch down the road and see that this doesn't become a problem. Because if it does, it's going to be a huge bust for the Rangers. A huge bust. For the player's sake, I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, you heard it here first. And hopefully, I interact with these guys on the Ranger podcast. And I'm always posting. And I definitely, I, I don't agree with everything they say. They don't agree with everything I say. But they're intrigued enough that we need to have you on an episode. And it's like, well, let's do it. Because I am the voice of the wilderness that doesn't go lockstep and just agree with what everybody's saying. That's not me. Never has been, never will be. I'll stick to my guns, right or wrong. And especially when it comes to baseball, and I'll stand behind what I say. I mean, Josh Smith is our third baseman, period. He's not a left fielder. He's never played the outfield. He doesn't need to play the outfield. He plays third base like Adrian Beltre, Michael Young. He is comfortable at the position. He's smooth at the position. He understands the position. Left field, I'll go back to Moneyball again when they're talking about Hatterberg. It's the moon to him. And I don't want the kid to lose his confidence. And that's the best way to lose confidence is to be put in a situation where you will not succeed. You will fail. I've been in that situation. I was on a team where I don't know what happened, but this coach just didn't like me. My dad found me the team, and I got on it, and I knew from day one, one of the coaches liked me. The head coach did not. And he would put me up against the top team in the league, and they would just beat my ass. It was ugly. And, I mean, they beat it bad because the guy wanted me to quit. So I don't know what happened, if my dad pissed him off or how this came about, but it was a team out in Sand Springs. And it was such a bad team. I'd never seen this happen before. Halfway through the season, the other coach, We had a meeting after game, and he goes, I don't like what you're doing with that kid, and he was referring to me. 
And because of that, I'm going to go start my own team. And he invited me to come with him. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Well, he left and he took our top three players. We sucked. But I'll never forget that because the coach was putting me in a position to fail. I played as best I could, but, and and I've been in jobs where that has happened. They don't want you to succeed. They want you to quit. No, you're going to have to run me off. I'm not quitting. I just don't do that. But, you know, the Rangers, I don't know. I was hoping they could win 80 games. I've looked at their remaining schedule, and I, I'm i going to be buying West dinner at Dunstan's. They're, this, this is a poorly coached team. That's what it all comes down to. They keep moving the players around like musical chairs, so they're not building any continuity. You never know who's going to be on the field. And uh, But then we've seen this for like the last four or five years. And I don't see it changing. And we'll probably, we'll always hear the, well, we need to see what they can do. Leave them in AAA. You know, you want Josh Smith to be an outfielder, send him down AAA. But you have to do that for a whole season so we can get a feel for it. Because doing it at the major league level is not good for, is not a good confidence builder if you keep failing. And he has, he has not looked good in the left field. That's just not what he's used to. I mean, we saw them mishandle Connor Falefa and Jose Trevino for years. And now they're starters with the New York Yankees, the first place New York Yankees. Did I say more? They knew what they were capable of doing. The Yankees saw it, and that's where they put those guys. So, yeah, I will still watch Ranger games. But I do it with an open mind and a critical eye. And if I don't like what I say, I will call it out. And if you follow my posts on Facebook, you see that. I don't pull punches. Sometimes I get a little over the top. I understand that, but it is what it is. All right. Well, that's all I've got for this Saturday because I need to go meet my son at four o'clock in Plano and it will take about 45 minutes to get there and it's 320 right now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tell your friends, tell your family to subscribe, to support. And Patty, where the hell has Doug been? I forgot to mention that earlier. I mean, I haven't seen him on Facebook and haven't heard heard you mention him in any shape, so I guess they're working six days a week. I don't know. But he works for FFE down in Lancaster. That's a refrigeration trucking firm. So if you have a load that's got to be refrigerated, that's who you go to is FFE, and they will take care of your needs. 
Will you all enjoy whatever part of the country you're in the rest of your Saturday and Sunday? Because this evening, if I did it right, I've got a reservation where I can do the Zoom meeting of Joel and Victoria Osteen's Night of Hope at Yankee Stadium. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. They were all excited because <clears throat> the Yankees called them and said, hey, it's time we do another one. And it's been two years since they got out, so they're pulling out all the stops. And it should be a really good service at 6 o'clock. I think I got a Zoom link for it. But, uh, and then I'll be watching the Rangers. So I'll get uplifted, excited, get my juices flowing, and I'll turn on the Rangers and go, ah, killing me. Smalls, you're killing me. You're just killing me, Smalls. So have a great weekend. Have a safe two weeks. And we will be back on the 20th. So take care. God bless and Dawson out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com. Websites, LDDJ Enterprises and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.